from wherever you are right now in the future. This is the Create Radio Show. I'm here with Jason Evans, the one and only. Hello. And also the other one and only producer, Chris. Hi, people. Well, that was a new intro, Chris. Hey, people. No no longer hello. Hey, people. Hello. And Kyler is still absent, off on assignment. Yeah. Um, probably watching that horrible movie for the 10th time. <laughs> That's actually uh, what, what we haven't let anyone know is the whole reason this movie thing came up is because um, she actually got paid by the producers of the movie to watch a week away nonstop to try to get the algorithm rolling. So Netflix will bankroll their next movie, uh, two weeks in Detroit. So, um, no, two weeks that, home, two weeks home. Two days. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, that's like actually an eternity of a movie. Yeah. <laughs> a week away, but it actually was an eternity. It was. And an I'm not talking about the, the good place of eternity. <laughs> Wait, are you talking about the show, The Good Place, or like the actual good place? I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about, H-E double hockey sticks. There. Mm. <laughs> there it is. You know, when you said wherever you are in the future, it made me think of uh, future Nick in New Girl. Um, they, either one of you uh, I just that? I just watched that episode last Did week. <laughs> when he's the old Just man. watched that episode last week, yes. <laughs> That's one of my favorites. I I, I, I long to see future Finally, it finally believes them. Yeah. Yeah. Then finally goes, believes them and then he goes into the cardboard box. I was yeah, like, oh, that's is, awesome. It's too good. I can't wait for that to happen in my life. But, uh, well, hey, guys, uh, another week has come and gone. And uh, you guys doing all right? Any any exciting news? Any big things? Chris, you are uh, just over two weeks away or just yeah. under two weeks away, man. Yeah, right under two weeks away. For Two weeks away, a new movie from Netflix. <laughs> Yep, but about to get married. Be a married man. It's amazing. So, I'm excited. Any any more life advice, Kyle? Anything you want to throw at him? Oh, listen. Probably shouldn't. That oh, was that was the that advice. Was <laughs> if, you think, <laughs> if you think you should do something, probably shouldn't. <laughs> that take that one to the bank, Chris. That's a good. One. I'm writing that down. <laughs> uh, well, uh, Kyle, how about you? Uh, any exciting things? Any happenings in the past week? Mm, guys, the grass that I planted is really starting to grow great. Is it? I'm having trouble so, on mine. I've only got like one little patch. Oh, I'm. I mean, mine is flourishing. Lucky you. It is. Yeah. If 2020 was like the year that everyone wanted to forget 2021 is the year that my grass wants to remember forever. Wow. What kind did you plant? Fescue? Yep. Tall fescue. Man. Yeah. I'm so excited. I've got one little patch that has come up and, but everything around it is still just, just in the ground. So I was hoping this rain we've yeah. had recently will really help. So that, that's where my life is, you know, just super excited about the grass growing. That's good. Well, listener, I hope you, are watching the grass grow in your uh, location as well. Even if it's not a place you own, maybe it's an apartment. Maybe you've got uh, you know, a little lawn box outside your window. Chris, do you have a little lawn box? 
Uh, sadly, I haven't moved up to that status yet. Oh, man. Chia pet, Chris, at least? I've never Maybe. had a chia pet, no. Man. I was homeschooled, so we didn't get those. It seems like the perfect reason to have a chia yeah, pet. <laughs> yeah, I guess that, that's true. Didn't, yeah. Homeschool, I figured you'd make your own chia pet like for some reason I had to do. And I wasn't even homeschooled. And it was, <laughs> you take a Easter egg, half of an Easter egg, fill it with dirt and plant some grass seeds in there, draw a face on it, like set it in the window seal. Did it work? Yeah, it worked. Well, that's something, I guess. I, I, I never got to do that. So I remember the commercials. They were great. Chia commercials. They're expensive. Are they, they sell them at Lowe's right now, and they are ridiculous. Well, now we know what to get Chris for his wedding, man. <laughs> Guys, let's do top three. You ready? Top three. Kyle, the floor is yours. Top three reoccurring gifts you like to give. You like to give? Yeah, so like if there's something like, oh, I always get this person this every time for either their birthday oh, or whatever okay. you're gifting. Like there's something or or for anybody like, well, if I have to get a gift for someone, I'm just going to go out and get this if I don't know what to get them. Huh. Okay. That's good. Chris? Mm, I just have one so far. Hmm. Well, number one for me definitely is always just a gift card because usually I'm procrastinating <laughs> when it comes to getting someone a gift. It's like, oh, I got to get this person a gift by next week, and next week hits the day before their birthday or something. I'm like, shoot, I never got them anything. Yeah. So I'll get like a Visa gift card or something like that. Um, then another thing would be candy. I usually get someone like some candy, especially okay. if like my dad loves Reese's, so – Usually when it's Christmas time, I'll give him like a one of those like gigantic Reese's cups. Yeah, like, like the that. five pounder. Yeah, two yeah, pound like the five pounder Reese's cup. Um, something else. Hmm. I don't know. That's usually my my two go tos: is yeah. candy or a uh, gift card. Okay, think think if you can come up with a third one. Yeah. So I'm I'm definitely one of those weird ducklings that likes to I'll, I'll fall in love with a book, and so for like the next six months, if I'm getting anyone a gift, I'll get them that book. And so a few years ago is this book called Chasing Francis by Ian Morgan Crone, uh, fiction fiction book. Uh, but I just thought it was a great, easy read um, and a good story. It's not even the most well written book ever. And but it's just I think it, it it fits certain people's personalities. That's one I'll I'll give. And then more recently, I know everyone's tired of hearing us talk about it, but JMC and the Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, you know that's a book that I'll uh, hand out. Um, and I, I traditionally try not to do gift cards because I I want people to know like if I'm getting you a gift, it's something either that a I know you want, or it's something that I know about you. Mm -hmm. So this is why I'm giving it so that that's kind of difficult for me. But one thing, I don't know if this counts, Kyle, so you can, you can, you know, say no. Um, one of the greatest things I like to do for someone else is like take them to dinner. Um, and like, I just, I, I like to, you know, my wife and I will try to take people to dinner sometimes or meet them and, you know, uh, so I don't know if that qualifies or not, but that's for, for me, that's like something I like to do for other people routinely. Hey, if you're buying, yeah, then. let's go to dinner. I'll buy. Yeah. No, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, definitely, Jason, 
just roasted Chris about the gift cards. (laughs) Hey, I I love gift Um, cards. I I will give them out to people. Don't get me wrong. It's too late. Um, late. Sometimes that is exactly what they want. So it's not that I'm so anti, but I just do. I feel like I want to try to make this gift as personal as possible if I'm going to give it to somebody, you know. Sorry, Chris. No, it's all good. I'm a fan of gift cards because I like gift cards because you can do whatever you want with it. Yeah, I appreciate that. That's why that's my that's my thinking going into it. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I I'm totally down with that. Yeah, gift cards a perfect way to say, "Look, I got you this gift, but I also don't care enough about you to know what you would want." I want to keep it that way. So, take my money. I don't want a relationship. Yep. Now I will happy say, birthday. I will say, uh, happy birthday, son. Just to, just to, just to prep for your wedding, Chris. Now the, the area where I will do gift cards is usually like weddings. Okay. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Just because it's like, that's the thing of like, there are, you know, a young married couple is always going to need free cash of some kind, yeah. you know, I'll so take that, a step further, Chris, not just weddings, but actually within marriage. So you got a really important anniversary coming up. You know what your wife wants? She wants to open up that envelope. She doesn't want any like handmade, like sweet, thought out, written anything. She wants to open up that envelope, some generic blank inside card. And what's inside of it? You got it. $15 7-Eleven gift card. (laughs) That's exactly what she wants all the time. So now, and I will say a marriage idea. So now we will, we will embrace the acceptance of gift cards. Like, so at Christmas, um, you know, things like that, family members, like we'll kind of target an item like this year, our, our deep free, man, this is, we're turning into a uh, old podcast <laughs> in a hurry, but uh, our deep freeze had gone out. So we knew we wanted to get a new deep freeze. So we just asked people for either Lowe's or Sam's gift cards. And so that way, you know, hopefully we, and it ended up, um, we were able to get a deep freeze. So, so I'm not against, I'm not against gift cards. Kyle, what are your three? Oh man, well, it was just going to be three different types of gift cards, but I don't want to look like an idiot. Um, um, you guys make me feel so terrible. Somehow, yeah, somehow I was thinking about the gift card people who like, you know, yeah, I, I could just give me a gift card to Lowe's, like Jason said, and then it's inevitable that they're just going to ignore you and give you what they think you should have. That's true. You know, like, oh, I'm not going to buy you a gift card for something you need. I'm actually just going to give you this like these crocheting needles or something yeah. like that. Is that, that. what you like, would do? <laughs> no, I would not do that. <laughs> uh, I normally go with a plant. I like to buy people plants. Okay. Like nice house plants. Yeah. That they have to keep alive forever or it, I judge them. <laughs> um, the second one would be like a toy, like a totally like, not inappropriate, but just like an underage, like you would never, like, this is not something you want, like yeah. something you would want it as a kid. And so I'm just going to buy you a toy. Like a stretch and, Armstrong or something. Huh? Like a stretch Armstrong or something. Yeah. Like something like a nostalgic type toy, yeah. something cool like that. And then, man, I lost my third one whenever we were talking about, oh, like a notebook. I like giving oh, out notebooks, good. cool notebooks. That's good. That come with like a pin or something. Yeah. And I, when I write in the first page something really sweet and end it with like, whatever you do, do not write me a letter. 
and then try to reverse. Uh, you know, is that like you really don't want letters, or, or, or do you, you try know, to or write something like man, or write something like man, how good is this gift that you're getting from me? <laughs> I could have, or write something like I could have just got you a gift card. You know, wow, that's good. I like that. I, and then sometimes, every once in a while, all right, I could have get, I could have just got you a gift card. Ha ha. LOL. Am I right, Jason? <laughs> Dang it. They don't, they don't always understand that part. But. Yeah, but you know, uh, it's the thought. It's the thought that counts. Really, that's all that matters with gifts, right? Exactly. It's the thought. I, I know what my third is now. It's okay. uh, for like five years straight. Every Christmas, I got my dad a uh, Mr. Potato Head of some kind. Because he collected them for a really? hot minute. And so like one year I got him a Captain America, Mr. Potato Head. That's cool. Next year was like Indiana Jones. So th- next year was like a Spider-Man. So it, it lasted for about five or six years. Well, that's cool. You mean, you mean Spider-Man, right? Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Yeah, that's what it was. Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, I have Optimash Prime, so. Ooh. <laughs> wow. I'm so out of my league in this conversation. Wow. I feel like a spinoff <laughs> podcast is coming. <laughs> Spudcast. But Spudcast. You know I mean. A new Spudcast. Well, uh, this has been top three. That was a good one. This has been top three. Well, guys, uh, we've wasted enough time, so I think it's time that we uh, get to our guest. Our guest today is Lauren Phelps. She is a worship leader at Woodlake Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And uh, Lauren is a great friend of the pod, and as, as many of the people over at Woodlake are. And uh, so we love getting to talk to her and talk about uh, leading others in worship. We talked about how do you uh, build a team of volunteers and how you empower them. And uh, we just kind of talk about tips of leading um, worship teams teams in general. So uh, it's a great conversation. We had a lot of fun with it. So here it is. Get your uh, notepad and pen from Kyle that has a weirdly worded letter on the first page and uh, take some notes. Here's our interview with Lauren Phelps. Well, Lauren, thank you so much for taking time to join us on the Create Radio Show. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, as we get started, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're at, and what you're doing? Yeah, well, um, so I'm in Tulsa, Oklahoma um, at Woodlake Church. I'm a worship pastor, and I've been doing this here for like eight years now, which wow. is kind of crazy. Um, married for almost four years and a mom of a dog. I count that. You so. you count that? Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, wow. Four mm-hmm. years. You and JP have been married for four years. Yeah, just about. That's, June 2nd is our anniversary. That's incredible. Well, happy anniversary yeah. early. Thank you. Um, as we get started, we like to just play a little game of this or that with our guests and um, just rapid fire whatever answer that comes to mind. And if you want to expound on it, feel free. Um, okay. and, and we'll go from there. Okay. Uh, you actually, you actually took the first one from me. I was going to ask dog or cat. Um, but obviously oh. it's dog. For right? sure. Dog. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, coffee or tea? Coffee. Okay. Do you, do you have a reason for that? I am not a big tea fan. It's just like slightly flavored water, but not in a good way to me. I don't know. <laughs> is it, but isn't that kind of like a, against like a worship leader code? Or something. I think it is. Yeah. But do you mean against worship code to not like tea? Yeah. Isn't like coffee's bad for your, your vocal cords or oh, something? I see what you're saying. Yeah. Technically it is. Um, but trick is if you hydrate enough, 
And I have like a half gallon water jug that I carry around with me. If you hydrate enough, it doesn't matter. Okay. So that's the key. Hydration. Hydration is the key. Okay. Um, Hamburger or chicken sandwich? Oh, wow. Definitely just depends on my mood. But the Popeye's chicken sandwich has to be the best one there is. Um, So I'll start that drama right now. (laughs) You just, man, you are, you're dog person, no tea, Popeye's (laughs) chicken sandwich, man. Yeah. I think half our listeners just tuned out. So thank you for that. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, my wife and I, we tried the Popeye sandwich uh, about a month ago. So, you know, it, it was good. It was good. I don't know if I'm ready to proclaim it the best, but. it's it. I think you'll get there someday. Maybe, maybe someday. Okay. Uh, the next one is roller skates or bicycle. Whoa. Um, I got to go roller skates just because uh, I don't own a bicycle currently. Okay. I love bicycles, but I've been in a lot of bike wrecks in my lifetime. Um, so that was not fun. And so I'd be scared to try now as an adult. And then all of the youth students at our church, they're in my small group. They have like roller skating parties like we did when I was a kid. Wow. I didn't know those were back. Yeah, they are. And I've been to like six of those this past year and it's so fun. So yeah, okay. roller, roller skates. I, I like that. That's a good answer. Um, and, and the last one, this is not a this or that, but this is a like in the moment right now. Uh, what are you currently streaming that you're in love with? Oh, like and, TV show? Well, anything. So streaming, you know, that could be music, it could be TV, movies, documentary, whatever. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, I hope I'm allowed to say this. Um, you can say anything. I actually, what I've been watching when I have any spare time, if I have any spare time has been like modern family. Cause I never watched it okay. when it was on, uh, on air. Yeah. So probably shouldn't own that, but yeah. Well, hey, it's the only thing I'm streaming right now. Well, we're not here to judge. Um, and <laughs> it would be, uh, you know, what's the whole, uh, one finger pointed at someone else's four fingers back at you. So, I mean, I've, I haven't seen them all, but I've seen, uh, the first few seasons at least. So, uh, mm. it's funny. It's a funny it show. Fun. So, uh, let's just, uh, move past that quickly, Lauren, you've been all yep. kinds of, Thank uh, you. um, confrontational and, um, just full of controversy already, but, uh, how did you find yourself uh, just finding um, being involved in music? What was that like for you? Well, um, honestly, I started taking voice lessons when I was a young kid because my grandparents just really wanted me to. And um, so I did the whole, you know, Tulsa girl singers and choir and musical theater through school. Um and, and then in college, I did a, uh, vocal ma- minor. Um, so I got kind of like a music minor in college. So I was kind of just continuing on with it there, but my whole life I have been singing and learned little bits of piano here and there throughout just by ear mm-hmm. and then took lessons once I got into high school for piano. So just kind of a generic, I grew up in music. (laughs) Okay. Well, so what did it look like to transition into just music and vocal lessons and things like that into doing worship in the church? Um, I think it's actually a really cool story. Um, but when I was in eighth grade, well, really sixth grade, I started going to the youth group at Woodlake, believe it or not. My family didn't go to Woodlake and I wasn't raised AG or anything, but I, I had friends that 
went to Woodlake's youth group. And so I started going and then two years in my mom took it upon herself to, uh, send one of my CD. I have a, I have a CD. Oh, wow. Wow. (laughs) I had no idea. (laughs) It was a single track recorded when I was like 11. Um, I don't even honestly remember why or how it happened, but it did. And my mom, uh, sent that to our youth pastor, which was mortifying to me. And (laughs) he like forced me to be on the worship team, which, you know, I'm super thankful for now. Um, because it's, it kind of determined my entire life, which is really crazy to think about. Um, because I realized at that point, you know, in eighth grade that, singing was actually, I don't know. So when I was growing up and going to voice lessons and having to perform all the time at different things, I hated it. Like I remember, I remember trying to lose my voice on different occasions. So I wouldn't have to go perform places because I would get so nervous, like throw up nervous. And it really affected my singing. And I just never felt like I could do a good job anyway. Cause I was, I don't know, something about performing in the spotlight was really terrifying to me. And then transitioning into worship, it was just so different because it wasn't about spotlight. It wasn't about, um, people staring at me or, you know, like solely paying attention to Mm -hmm. my singing. It was just a totally different application. And I suddenly loved singing and, um, yeah. And so that just, I mean, I almost knew in high school, like, this is what I want to do with the rest of my life. This is, so great. And so, yeah, that was just a, it was a cool transition. Um, that, cause who would have, who would have thunk that <laughs> eighth grade youth pastor forcing me, I mean, it really all started because of my mom. So I guess I should thank her for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you should, it's almost mother's day anyway, Lauren. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, no, that's cool. So what did that look like? Um, you know, as you like, uh, got through high school, um, transitioned out of youth. Uh, how did that, how did it come back around into church or did you always, were you always, have you always been doing some kind of worship since then? Yeah. Well, yeah, I kind of just never stopped except for like a three month period. Um, when I graduated high school, um, the church at the time didn't have much going on for young adults at all. So I was, you know, thinking, I guess I'm going to try to find a different church. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I spent about a summer, um, not really plugged in anywhere and not really, you know, doing anything, um, just going to different churches and then, uh, to see, okay, where do I want to go as an adult kind of, (laughs) and then I wound up at ORU and was on the, the sister wing of, you know, Brandon Verderber, Pastor Mm -hmm. Brandon. Yeah. He's on staff here at Woodlake. And, um, he was on my brother wing at ORU and was like, you have to come back to Woodlake. Like, it's awesome. And that was when Pastor Jamie sort of came into town. And um, I don't know. So it just kind of became a young adult hub in that season. And so I came back to Woodlake after like three months and plugged right back in, but this time with the adult worship team. And yeah, I've just been like super involved ever since then. And eventually, you know, interned and then you know, was on staff in 2013, right when I graduated college. So. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's great. Um, you know, so, so you've been on staff, you said since 2013 and, um, I know, I know you've, it's probably been a progression as far as, you know, part of the worship team and, uh, you know, then worship leader. And then I know you, your, your role has evolved over, over these uh, last few years. Um, mm-hmm. what are, what are some things you've learned when it comes to leading others in worship, especially the people who aren't on the stage? I, I think it's pretty, I don't know. I thought it was maybe telling that that you said you, as a child, you did not like the performance aspect of things. Um, mm-hmm. But for some reason, you know, worship, you were able to to transition to that and feel comfortable. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's a good trait. Mm-hmm. So what have you learned about leading others in worship um, that, that might be useful for someone to hear today? Yeah, well, I... <sighs> I think the biggest thing that I've, you know, it's almost a continual learning thing because I didn't like the spotlight and performing. And yet anytime you have a like talent that is on display in some way, you have to get over your ego and um, basically just constantly get over yourself. But for me, it was more of a like I had to just stop caring what people thought about me in general, Um, like not like I don't care what anyone thinks like in a mean way, but just, you know, not ever letting that make me feel a certain way about myself. Um, so, and it was just a constant reminder that like, it's not ever a concert. It's not ever to entertain people. I'm not putting on a show. Um, like I'm never going to sing some awesome high note that leads to someone's salvation. Like that's not, really how it works. And so I think for anybody, that's a constant learning thing or just, it's a reminder, you know it, and you just have to always remind yourself and make sure that you're not getting in that headspace ever. Like, so I've even, I've still had to, you know, walk through that, but a couple of like practical things I've learned. One is to really, really, really work to connect with the people that you're leading. Like I think it might be one of my biggest pet peeves, but I also know the desire to do it is when people, you know, just want to hide in the back in the green room or backstage and just walk out on stage and lead worship and then not ever build relationships with people in the congregation. Um, I just really see the value in being a part of the church, not just, not just, you know, taking your moment on a stage and singing. Um, but you know, because I've seen, you know, over the years how churches can struggle with disunity and they can really, really thrive when there is a unified, you know, body of believers. And mm-hmm. um, I think the people on stage and the connection that they have to others makes a huge difference in that. So being able to lead someone, I don't know, I think about it this way. Like if a, a person walks in from outside that feels super uncomfortable being in a church and the person leading worship goes and talks to them beforehand. They don't even know who this person is. And then they see them up on stage a few minutes later leading them. Like there's just a really cool influence you can have as a worship leader. If you take those opportunities, I think that's really yeah, I think that's great. Um, and that in a roundabout way, that's something that it seems like we've talked about a lot on, on this show, um, is I would even liken it to that first step of discipleship, even, <laughs> um, in terms of like, you've, you've got to make those connections with people. And, uh, sometimes the, the leaders, 
uh, find it way too easy to to not make those connections initially. They yeah. like to stay backstage, or um, you know, and I, I'm a totally introverted person. I don't I don't want to meet people, um, but yeah. <laughs> but it's essential. You know, there's something to yeah. that. I think that's good. And being able to just step outside of your own personality, like struggles or whatever. Like because yeah. a lot of musicians tend lean introverted, or and a lot of tech people lean introverted too, and that's kind of why you're drawn to the things you're drawn to. It makes sense. Um, the people that have the most time away to put in the practice to be good at things, you know, uh, they tend to be good at those things. They tend to get in those positions, but then you have to really challenge yourself to step outside of that and, um, and build those relationships. So I think that's huge. Yeah, that's so good. Um, let's take it uh, now the the approach to the t- the team side of things. What are what are some things you've learned when it comes to leading and organizing a worship team? Ooh, a lot. Yeah, just <laughs> list them out. <laughs> oh man. Um, so I think the a really huge thing, and this is like this is a Wood Lake, you know, everyone type thing. So not just our department or anything, but making it family, not team. Um, like, I don't like making sure people don't feel like they're just showing up to a job or a responsibility, but the people around them are their family. So, I mean, we change all of our language all the time to just call everybody family. Hmm. Um, like, Hey fam, Hey fam, Hey fam. I mean, it's probably annoying, but I just, we want to get across to people like, this is not just this is like, this is your worship family. This is not just your team and people that you do stuff with. Like, so we foster communication on Sundays, like in the green room, we're not just all sitting on our phones. Um, we're, we're connecting back there as a worship family, asking deep questions, talking about real stuff, talking about our spiritual walks. Can, and Can I interject uh, on that for just a second? Yeah. So do you like do you not allow phones or do you like, how do you foster that? Or what's that? What does that look like in creating those moments? I don't. Okay. So I started this a few years ago. Um, and it, (laughs) it's kind of, I don't remember who came up with the name, so I'm going to just leave credit floating in the air, but we had, we found these random dice in the room. They're like big dice, Mm -hmm. you know, like for a game. And I think there was probably some sort of youth game that got left in the green room or I don't know, but we found those and they became the discussion dice, which somebody then named the discussion. Oh, nice. It was very clever. Anyway. So (laughs) it's literally, you have the dice, you talk. And so it helps foster conversation and it's like the cheesiest thing ever, but I have sort of a cheesy personality. So it's, it works. And, um, we come up with questions. Everybody can take turn answer, turns answering and we really get to know each other. And, um, sometimes they're just really dumb questions and sometimes they're really deep, um, like vulnerable questions, not like anything weird. Um, but it's been awesome. And it's, it's, people don't want to be in their room when that's happening and not be a part of it. Cause mm. that's just weird. Um, and so I've been a little intense at times about like, I've never made anybody put their phone away, but, um, if I notice somebody's kind of off to themselves, you know, I will specifically throw the dice to them <laughs> and be like, Hey, <laughs> and some people, you know, don't love participating in things like that, but, um, you know, I've, I, it's been a really good thing just overall. It feels like our team has really, come together and, Mm -hmm. and it opened up 
just talking about Jesus on a regular basis with the team. Like, I don't know why, but that was a thing that we had to normalize in the church after a while. It was like talking about Jesus wasn't just as common as it should have been. Yeah. Which, so anyway, yeah. Well, so that was one thing. It's because too many people are watching Modern Family instead of reading the Bible. <laughs> Probably yeah. for shame, I quit. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Now, what what was the next thing? <laughs> um. Well, another thing. So we, ha- you know, so we make it about family, not about team, and then also fun. So I've noticed that there's very different personalities um, on our worship team. Some people really want to get down to business and get done and get out of there because <laughs> um, everybody's busy. Some people really need some like goofy time and just connection time to because you know, they want to get away from the stress of life and they want to be, you know, surrounded by friends mm-hmm. for a time. Um, and so I make sure every rehearsal has some sort of like connection point, um, or connection time, whether it's just dumb conversation again, like in the green room or, um, I mean, we don't really do much more than that, but we just, we poke fun. We make sure to laugh and, um, and if anybody's ever had issues with, okay, our rehearsals are long enough as is, why do we do this stuff? I'm like, I just explain the heart behind it and the vision and then they're fine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But just making everything a little bit fun and not all business, I think is really important for a church family, working with volunteers. Um, And then another thing that I has been huge um, has been just like, I, I don't really hoard anything as far as leadership. Like um, I like giving things away. So the word delegation, I guess, um, I, I have people that do all sorts of things, um, and are part of every part of my job. Um, there's people that help with different things. Cause we have so many gifted, amazing, which I guess this leads into the next, uh, the next thing we're going to talk about anyway, but, um, there's so many talents on our team and so much wisdom and things that I don't even know about like we have we have a musical genius on our team I won't say any names because I don't want to I don't want to alienate anybody but um (laughs) this guy is literally a musical genius and so I mean I delegate all sorts of stuff and I don't try to control that yeah like my job does that make sense yeah I mean it's you you give them the freedom you know as long as it matches the vision or the the goal or whatever you give them the freedom to pursue it how they need to is that kind of what you're getting at yeah Yes. Yeah. And like, just, I love having tons of involvement in every, in like big decisions and set planning and set arranging, um, even like having other people helping lead. Like we have TLs, team leaders, um, where I sometimes occasionally am not even on stage at all and other people are leading the show. So, um, yeah, I love sharing all of the things. And I think that's so important to building a healthy, growing team. Mm-hmm. People want to be a part of something um, where they they have something more to offer than just doing what they're told. So, yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good. Um, well, you brought up volunteers, and that is kind of the, the the next thing I wanted to talk about is, you know, uh, worship leading. You know, I think tech teams, uh, worship teams, you know, there's just a, a natural need for volunteers and to, um, you know, there's just a lot of people involved and not all of them are going to be paid and things like that. Um, as, as a team, how do you guys go about empowering volunteers? And because I feel like, you know, that probably helps recruit volunteers and, and things like that. What does that look like for you guys? 
Yeah. So, I mean, I kind of mentioned this a second ago, but we have over the past about year and a half, almost two years, we've been sort of launching a volunteer leadership team, but we call them squad leaders. And so uh, a lot of our volunteers um, on the worship, it's really our whole department. Um, they can step up into leadership positions where they're helping oversee all the other volunteers. Um, and so the squad leaders are helping, um, they're helping coach and teach and they do uh, workshops with all the people that would be, you know, playing the same instrument as them or, you know, working the same piece of piece of equipment as them. Um, so literally we have volunteers that are helping coach and train others. Um, and I think that's one of the biggest tools of empowerment that I've seen because, you know, it puts all of their knowledge that they've been, that have been, that's been poured into them, puts that to the test kind of, and then mm -hmm. they're able to pour it into others. So that's been really cool um, to watch happen. So we have our squad leaders and then we have worship like weekend team leaders. And so they are actually responsible for leading the worship service. And so they have to think through all sorts of things, transitions and, um, you know, how to coach the congregation, how to explain a certain song, uh, talking on, on stage and stuff yeah. like that, learning all sorts of skills and kind of being thrown to the wolves, so to speak. And then <laughs> music directors too, MDs, they're, um, volunteers that are behind the scenes, you know, in the talk back mic guiding everything. And there's a lot of weight on them every week, but they also get to help, um, plan arrangements, um, for the weekend and, you know, just give a lot of feedback and direction to the worship leader, um, which is really cool. Then we have assistant team leaders and they can, they're basically those who are not yet team leaders, but they're just in training. They're just, um, learning skills and they're given random opportunities. They lead songs, they speak on stage sometimes, like they do different things. And, um, we're trying to just constantly create more positions for volunteers to, so that it's not just you show up and you volunteer, but you can actually continually grow on this team mm -hmm. and, you know, like reach new levels if you want to, if you want to put in the time and effort and yeah. So that's a pretty cool um, way that we're empowering them. Um, and I'm, we're also really leaning into youth and, um, middle school and high school students. Um, I work really closely with our youth worship band, um, helping train and equip them even at the young, at their young age, because mm -hmm. I mean, they'll, they'll be volunteering for the worship team for adults someday. Like I think back to my story and it could very well be some of their stories. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Well, it sounds like you guys, I mean, I, I like that it, you've made a, a a real effort to bring volunteers in and, and like you said, give them more than just a, hey, you're you're helping this week, but it maybe give them ownership. That might be the way to put it. So I think that's awesome. Yeah. Um, just as we wrap up, Lauren, we, we, we appreciate you taking the time to be with us, but I just have one final question. And that is, uh, do you have any words of encouragement for fellow creatives and fellow worship leaders out there? I mean, I think of, you know, when I've been through more difficult seasons as a worship leader or worship pastor and, um, and really, so there've been seasons, one of the toughest seasons of my life was when I was, uh, in more of a creative director role and, um, 
you know, over lighting and audio and all the things. And um, it can get so exhausting. And sometimes other people in the church, whether, I mean, they're very well-meaning. They have no idea though, what goes into the creative world, like all of the details, all of the hours um, that go into creating things. (laughs) And um, so there's oftentimes where it's so easy to take offense at things or to just hurt from a lack of acknowledgement. And um, I think I would just say like, just try to hold out through those seasons and not try to attach your okayness to what people are saying or not saying. Um, I know that's hard to do, but you can get to a point where you're just only drawing your accolades from the Lord and from knowing that you're doing your very best and just understanding and humbly understanding, like most people don't have any idea (laughs) what's going into all of it. And we can't just be angry about that all the time. Like we just, we need to have understanding and, you know, stay, stay humble about it all. And so, um, I guess I would just say thank you for all that you're doing, all of you creatives. And like you are seen and known, God knows all the effort you're putting in and that's all that we really need to worry about. So I don't know if that's that encouraging, but (laughs) I think it's necessary. We want to thank Lauren again for taking time to join us on the show. It was so great to talk to her. Uh, We've got to work several events with her in the past and the team at Woodlake. And so we look forward to doing that uh, in the future, including on May 11th, when we have our next Recreate gathering on Tuesday, May 11th. A little plug there. We'll talk more about it right at the end of this episode. But before we get there, just as we wrap up, everybody, um, we got, you know, last week we put out the call. We said, hey, text us contact us on our website, email us. We want to know what you want to talk about. We want to know what are the things you're going through. And uh, somebody took us up on that. So they they hit us up on the contact us website and uh, sent in kind of a thought and a question. And I just thought, well, hey, let's talk about it for a few minutes. And uh, then we'll wrap this episode up. But so this was the question. We're going to leave the name out and uh, and everything. So uh, it says this, during the pandemic, as the lead of a whole video department for three campuses, I was told that I held the church afloat. So someone in leadership said, hey, you made all this, uh, kept the church going. I was putting in 80 to 90 hours a week and felt the pressure of what I assume a senior pastor might feel like, along with the bonus stress of knowing that the livelihoods of the friends that I work with depends partly on what I was able to produce. In short, my department killed it. Our church stayed at a very high engagement level and leadership had attributed a lot of what we do, uh, a lot of it to what we produced. The things I've been working hard to get our organization to invest in proved to be a very valuable investment uh, because we were prepared as an organization uh, right at the pandemic started. God knew what he was doing. Now that in our state, things are starting to open up more and more people are showing up in person and our online numbers are transitioning to in-person numbers. And I'm finding I no longer have the voice I once had in our organization, nor am I playing a lead role like I was during the, uh, the height of the pandemic. We're starting to settle back into what we were prior to the pandemic and my input is no longer needed or sought out. So this is the question. 
um, and I think it's a very valuable question, is the, the, the listener asks, how do I check my pride here? I was instrumental in our pandemic response and survival. I believe my God-given dreams and desires for my department got us ready for the pandemic. Then with countless hours and not a single day off for four months, we got through it. But post-pandemic, I feel the organization no longer needs nor wants my input or leadership as it once did. So with that in mind, you know, this person who, who saw their, their role really, really boosted during the pandemic. Um, now they've felt like it's, it's been diminished again. And, but the real question, I think the root of it is how do I keep my pride in check? Kind of going from that mountaintop to now back where I was. Um, and I think, you know, obviously the next question would be, well, how can I, can I, even through this transition, how can we prove that what we're doing as a media team um, is, is still making a difference, even in-person gatherings? So there's a lot there. What do you guys think? I think there's some justification in feeling, you know, a little slighted yeah. for sure. I think that seems like maybe that was handled poorly or like if you definitely, if you're not, being assured that you are valuable to the organization. I think anyone would start to feel the same way. Um, it, man, it can be so hard, right? Whenever you like come up with a great idea or you do something awesome and not that you're doing it. So people will say you're awesome, but like when you just don't get that credit, you, you deserve, you know, yeah. as, I think throughout your whole life, that's a hard thing. Like, like, where's my credit? And I think something I've had to learn, still have to learn. Like I still think back, you know, here, some things will come up and I'm like, well, I, I did that and no one cared. Yeah. And now so-and-so is doing it and it's like the coolest thing ever, you know, like, um, it's just something I have to pray about. I have to work through, but I think for me, and I'll stop rambling here in a second. Um, one, it's like, what are you placing your pride in in the first place? Is it all the work that you have done or is it, the fruits of that labor. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause I think it would be a, a positive and that positive for the church. If people are transitioning back to coming in person, you know, safely and yep. with the guidelines, like I, for me personally, I wouldn't want for them to be, oh, well, I'm just going to stay online forever, you know? Um, and then I would just be able to, I think if you could look at it in a way of like, okay, well I worked hard four months off, like you're four months with no days off, like, try to turn that into gratitude that now like you're not as busy, yeah. right? Um, use that as a, a time of rest before things do get busy again. And I don't know if that is worth anything, but that's my two cents. I think that's good, Chris. Yeah, I agree, Kyle. I really like the the thought of just being, being thankful in this time of everything's kind of slowing down and just, yeah, just, I agree with Kyle. Pusha. Well, yeah. Pusha. <laughs> My brothers push out. <laughs> I just want to—I want to reiterate for the listener because I know who who it is, and I don't—I don't have any ideas of like, oh, they had their pride misplaced in the first place. That's not what I was trying to say. Yeah. Um, I you know don't think their motives were, you know. Well, but but that's kind of I wanted to to tackle that because I I feel like that's the never ending problem. It doesn't matter if you do media stuff. It doesn't matter if you were, you know, 40 hours or 80 hours a week with no days off during the height of the pandemic and you were essential and all that kind of stuff. I think the, the never ending challenge for humans 
is is where we place our pride and what is it we put our pride in because you know as humans we we by default find value in what we do and if people appreciate what we do then that value i think can grow and or the perceived value of what we do can grow and the importance of what we can do or what we do can grow but i just think that at the end of the day if we're going to be followers of christ the the, the never ending challenge is realizing that we don't do it for any purpose on earth. You know, we do it for the glory of God and, and we deny ourselves of any of these things to pick up our cross and to follow Christ. And I know that sounds like a Jesus juke. And I know that sounds like the, the holier than thou idea, but like, I think ultimately if we're finding our value and whether we have input in a meeting, um, there is something we need to check within us, you know, because we should be able to find value in you know, the things we've done for Christ. And, you know, to me, it's if you know that the things you produced help keep people going and keep people moving into a relationship with God, that should be all we need. Like, I think like that, find, find the joy in the moments of knowing, wow, God really used this time and the things we produce to help people continue to move forward. And that, you know, to me, that should be enough to keep, you know, our pride in place and it not be a, a check on our pride when we don't get to speak in a, in a leadership meeting or anything like that. Cause the, the other way I might would spin that is the thing we know is when you're needed, your leadership now knows you can, you can meet the challenge and you can meet the task leaders, you know, they're, they're going to be hard to change in churches. We talk about all the time, you know, they'll pivot for the pandemic, but then, yeah, as soon as things start to normalize, they want to just naturally fall back into the same routines and the same ideas. But I would find joy and I would find solace in knowing that, Hey, I've proven myself so that when these challenges come, they know they can trust me. And so again, it's, it's just that idea of like, you know, it, 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 it is an attack on our human nature pride, you know, when suddenly we don't feel like we have a seat at that table. But I just think there's so much more that can come out of the good that we've done and the good that you did during this time and just find the joy in that. And I think it can help you overcome the, 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 hurt, the hurt self or whatever if you feel like you're getting overlooked or, or left out. And, you know, at the end of the day, if the conversation is about an organizational structure or leadership, that might be a totally different conversation that has nothing to do with pride, you know, but, um, you know, I just think that the more we place our value in God and the less we pray, place it in ourselves, uh, the easier it is to deal with these highs and lows. But that's, that's just my opinion. Well, I think a lot of it has to do with the culture too. Like we, it's really easy to get in the habit of, you know, almost becoming addicted to having to work so hard. And like, especially if you're having to do that for four months, you're going to be in the habit of busting your butt nonstop. And like, that's going to be what fulfills you, you know, like that feeling of like, Oh, I'm doing this and we're doing lots of great work and we're seeing the fruit of it right now. But you know, God, and our listener said, God knew what he was doing. And you know, God knows what he's doing even now. And he doesn't want you to have to be, like working overworking yourself constantly and um so i think that might just be another question like well what is god doing now specifically for you for your life during Mm -hmm. this time yeah and what can you learn from it during this you know during this ordinary time you know i listened to uh this the pray as you go app Mm -hmm. 
And it's just like a little devotional every morning. And it always says like, today is blah, 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 the fourth week of Easter. And it goes by the Christian calendar, you know? And then so after, after Pentecost up until, when is it up until Advent uh, Advent or it's just every single, that's a big chunk of the year. It'll say the whatever week of ordinary time. And it's like, (laughs) We have this big chunk of our year, especially in the church world. There's lots of ordinary times and God isn't on a break and he's not just sitting there waiting for the big events or the busy times. He's, I think even more so wants us to recognize them in the ordinary. Yeah. And so that's um, good. I think he's just our listener. You're just in an ordinary time. Yep. And, I, you know, you said it earlier. I think you just find gratitude in the season you came from and find gratitude in the season you're in now. Um, and I think it just, it helps level those, those, that playing field, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's good. I, I love that point you made about ordinary time. So really easy for us to sit here and talk about when it <laughs> hasn't happened to us. Well, and that's why I kind of want to stress the idea of like, you know, there's a difference I think between a, a pride issue or a personal issue that maybe we can all relate to versus a, an organizational structure thing, you know, cause we don't know the organizational structure and we don't really know what that looks like. So, I mean, we can't really speak to that because at the end of the day, that might be a bigger issue than, than internal pride. So, um, but you know, that's, like I said, I think that's a different conversation, but you know, yeah. Gratitude is a great way to counteract pride. So that's, I think that was good, Kyle. Well, I think it's about time that we uh, shut this podcast down. But um, before we do, we want to remind everyone that May 11th, we will be at Woodlake Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma for our next uh, Recreate Evening. And um, if you were at our one in March, then you know it was unlike any we've had before. It's just got a different kind of tone and feel to it. And we're going to try to continue that here in May. So uh, you can register for free at recreateok.com. We just want you to register so we know how many people to plan for. Uh, So as Kyle mentioned last week, so that way we can eliminate all social distancing and we can make sure you're set right next to each other. Um, and so that's why we, we want to register. No, it's actually the opposite. Um, we want to make sure we're in a room that is sufficient for our needs to provide social distancing and, uh, and all that stuff. But, um, go ahead and make plans to attend. It'll be just, just a night designed to bring refreshing for your soul. And, uh, it's very, it'll be a very simple evening. We won't ask anything of you except maybe, maybe just to, um, sit and let the bring Lord, a gift card. Yeah. Bring a gift card. I was actually going to, you know, try to get spiritual for a moment, but thank you, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, uh, you actually don't need to do anything except maybe just allow yourself to, uh, hear the voice of God during that time. So, um, you know, maybe he'll tell you to bring a gift card. Uh, Chris actually will be on his honeymoon during that event. So, yeah, well, so if you want to bring a gift card for Chris and his wife, Liz, um, we'll make sure it gets delivered to him in pieces with scissors cut up. Oh, dang. So, um, but anyway. Confetti. <laughs> confetti. Confetti. Confetti cards. There we go. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, so go to recreateok.com. You can find the info- information there and let us know that you're planning on attending. Uh, we're looking forward to it. So, guys, anything else before we get out of here? Yeah, we talked about how this maybe the seating will be a little bit different. And I just had a brilliant idea. How do you guys feel about bunk chairs? Oh, you know, 
Uh, so someone does the does the six feet apart have to be horizontally? No, I'd, six feet above you. you I don't got know, your neighbor. Well, I don't want someone sitting butt sitting right me. above you. <laughs> I don't. We'll have to. That's uh, check, just rude. We'll have to check with the <laughs> CDC on that to see what their their thoughts are about bunk chairs. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll look into that. Bunk Kyle. chairs, guys. Chairs of the future. Chairs of the future. Uh, that you was, know, like all those <laughs> cities. The cities in Asia where like they are so populated that like they'll build these new sky like apartments where you get a uh, four by four yeah. like room. So bunk, bunk chairs bunk perfect chairs. for that. No. Perfect. Well, uh, that was Kyle's last thought. Chris, do you have any final thoughts? Gift cards are not that bad. That's right. Gift cards are not that bad. Um, well, for Kyle Lee and for Chris Ainsworth, for Kyler Clapp, who unfortunately cannot be with us as she's just watching a week away again and again and again. I'm Jason Evans, and I will see you guys next week. Gift shards. That's what they'll be after we cut them up.